The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Misa Kwanga. I'm Ryan Han. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. I'm cosy, actually. Yeah, I'm kind of curled up in a on a hotel. In on a hotel, in a hotel. Where are you at this point? London, Manchester, Beirut. You. Who knows? Mind your own business. At least you mind. That's the spirit. How are you, man? Very well, thanks. Very well. Uh, just a weekend of watching football. And in my dine, my downtime, dine time, downtime, dine ride, time. riding trains, listening to podcasts, political wow. podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Had a great time. This, I, I like doing that in Berlin, just to get on a train and look out the window, listen to something nice or read something decent. Nice. Yeah, yeah. A quick bit of admin. Don't forget Counterpress is back on Monday. Florence Lloyd Hughes and friends. If you haven't subscribed to that yet, go and subscribe. Also, if you haven't subscribed to Writer's House since the feed got split up, you're missing some great World Cup stuff. Go and search for Righty's House on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Flo and Carl joined Ian on Saturday for a brief one about England, USA. It was really good. And loads of stuff about shopping with Roy Keane, which was genuinely one of the funniest things I've heard on Righty's House for a long time. Have to check that out. Have to check it out. So funny. Oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, go and check that out. Check the rigging.com forward slash soccer. And any other admin. Um, maybe if you want to go to stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, sign up for our newsletter. You can do that. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, Stadio Football on Instagram. Mm. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's just at Stadio. Um, I think that's it for admin. Oh, Stadio Archers playlist on Spotify. All the music we play out on each episode. Newest one is at the top. We're almost up to 23 hours of music. 23 full hours. Great effort. 
Kind of wild, huh? Very much so. It's going to be so cool when we can actually say, listen, if you want a full 24 hours of music, you can just go to the Stadio Atros playlist. 24 anyway, hours. Yeah, yeah. That's all the admin. So today we are going to talk about the games that have happened since we last spoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spend a bit more time on some than others, but yeah. all very important. Some are particularly pivotal, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So let's get into it after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, so we're recording this straight after Germany, Spain. Mm. Spain, Germany? Spain won, Germany won. So shall we begin there? Because I thought this was probably from a, I think from a level point of view, Mm. I think this was the best game in the tournament so far. Yes, I agree. Without question. Without question. The absolute levels here, you have two, you could argue, two of the four best international coaches in the tournament actively solving problems, thinking, outthinking, counterthinking. And it was funny because you said like Germany, Spain, Spain, Germany. Actually, that reflects the balance of power. It started off Spain, Germany. It ended up Germany, Spain. Yeah, speaker box, love below. Yeah, yeah very much. Listen to him in any order, it's fine. No, abs- listen, absolutely right. Nailed on. And I think, you know, just Spain, it was a one-all draw, obviously. Spain really were so impressive in the opening stages. So good. And Germany doing the kind of, you know, actually, fun enough, the pattern of this tournament, if there is a pattern discernible, it's that if you fly out of the traps and don't impose your will early, the shock absorbers will come back on you and ultimately overcome you, either in the scoreline or in the kind of the dominance by the end of the game, and will end up feeling happy. And I think that's what happened here. Spain were spectacular for some of that early period. For some mm-hmm. of that, like, sort of early 20 minutes, I would say, some of the football they played the gaps they found, the spaces, the angles of the passing, the promptness of the movement was unreal. But I think the uncertainty of some of, some of the movement out wide foreshadowed Spain's eventual problems. They are just not decisive enough in the final third. And Germany contained them so well. And by the end of the game, I'm sure you'll have much to throw in there. By the end of the game, Germany looked the more dangerous, I would say. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with that totally. I think Germany could have won the game 2-1. Yes, And I don't think it would have been an unfair result. Mm. The thing about this game, which I found really intriguing, was that it was a really good example of a, revo- a result potentially skewing the perception of it mm. for a side afterwards. For example, after about, well, after the first half, especially after Spain went ahead, you could feel that this was going to be really, really bad for Germany from a discussion point of view afterwards. Mm. Where do they go next? All of this kind of stuff. But actually, Flick deserves a lot of credit here because I think when you saw the team sheet and you saw how they lined up, you saw how they were sitting in that first half, it was very much uh, like we were talking about Gundogan in, on WhatsApp. Mm. And you were kind of saying like, where? Like, he's really, really quiet. And I and I said, I think it's because he's playing, he's further forward, but he's playing a more defensive role. Mm. Because that, that setup that Flick um, put out, or the lineup and the setup, just really 
felt like it was there to contain Spain. He was chasing a lot, wasn't he? He was doing yeah, a lot they, of I running. mean, that midfield worked hard. Yeah, and really hard. To be f- and to their credit, they limited Spain to not, not a huge amount. And it was only a couple of times in that first half, maybe two or three actually, where they broke through and really broke lines when they pulled uh, Germany out of position. You obviously had the almost shot that Neuer flicked onto the bar. Yeah. Great save. They were really in the ascendancy then. Save. Yeah. But they, they were, yeah. what happened was they got Pedri running into traffic after about 25 minutes, half an hour. They got Pedri running into spaces that he wasn't doing. Like early in the first 20 minutes, Pedri was like in space, making conversation, talking, talking. The thing about Pedri is great. His instruction is constantly talking. There was a period about, there's a thing that Liverpool used to do with Martial when they did a triple team him out by the, t- the corner flag, the touchline. Three of them would just collapse onto him. And that happened to Pedri about three or four times later in the first half. And I thought, oh, like it's gradually working. They're hunting him in packs. And slowly, bit by bit, they closed off the space. And then, you know, I, I don't like to criticize players too much, but, you know, it felt like Ferran Torres was, he was a step slow in like three key situations, either when he's playing the ball wide down the line for, let's say, Gavi to overlap, or when he was like taking a shot, taking a touch. There were just, and it's not like a big margin, right? But it's like, those are the margins. Mm. That's when you hit thing. That's when you hit it at a half volley. You don't take a touch first, and it was those small things. And as the game went on, as we know, those small margins began to multiply exponentially to the point where they were like, "Okay, Germany were like, okay, we can impose our will now." What they also did really smartly was they gave Rodri a really tough time as a centre back. They attacked him as a centre back. Musiala hunted him down. It's no coincidence that both those chances came. The one that Musiala didn't score with a great save from Simone, and the goal that Fulcroy scored. They both came putting pressure in the inside right channel, which is where Rodri was operating. So that was interesting how they targeted areas because of course against Costa Rica, Rodri just had his, had his run of the game um, and they made him turn in areas that he doesn't maybe like turning in because behind him normally for Man City, there's always two people, but there wasn't that kind of protection. So I think Germany were really clever at finding pockets of resistance, weakness, if that makes sense. You say, yeah, totally. You say clever there and I think that's a very good term to use because I actually think Hansi Flick was very clever and I think he was also brave because yes yes he was that, that he was. lineup was set for very it looked like it was very much a counter-attacking uh, setup if you know what I mean yeah but if you think about that front four that Germany had it's not the quickest like Musiala, Muller, Gundogan and Gnabry Gnabry's quick Musiala got some gas isn't got yeah, some, acceleration he's not, he's not lights out Acceleration's good. Um, yeah. But what they did really well, and if you look at the subs, this is what, in hindsight, what I assume Hansi Flick would, was trying to do was mm. essentially hang with Spain yes. until the point that he can inject it with some energy and actually then really hit them. And it kind of worked. It I did. Mean, um, apparently it was uh, between the post posters a tweet saying it was the lowest possession share ever for Germany at the World Cup, 35.8%. But if you look at what they created compared to Spain, mm. it was almost like an inverse of their first fixture. Germany in the first one against Spain, uh, against Japan, sorry, loads of the ball, got caught on the counter-attack twice, mm. big, and could have actually been caught a couple of more times. This time, Germany were way more efficient with, <laughs> ironically, yeah. we live in Germany and we think German efficiency is a little bit overhyped. However, it yes. is. Yeah, it's very, oh my it God. was oh very well good to see some German efficiency for a change. They created more than Spain and they created, I think, better chances than Spain did. Yeah. 
with far less possession. And I think Hansi Flick can actually take real encouragement from this because we've seen Germany before do the kind of horseshoe thing, not really make any progress, a bit of stale possession, and we wonder how they're going to break through teams. And what this was like, what this is really good at, because I still think they'll get they'll get out of the group. I actually Germany, some, yeah, Germany. Yeah, I think yeah, both I think, will. I think, I think both I think, of these I think sides now, will get out. now they will. I think now they will. Yeah, I think both of these sides will win their final fixtures and get out of the group. I actually said that even if Germany lost the game, I still thought they'd get out of the group. Actually, um, and what Flick will learn from this, I think, is really encouraging. I think it's really encouraging for both sides. I don't think either manager is going to be too displeased at this result because there were moments in this game for Spain that Luis Enrique will be super encouraged by the way that they just really suffocated Germany early on with possession. Pedri and Gavi were unbelievable. They were spectacular. The first 20 minutes were spectacular. And there's a really interesting thing here. Neef wrote a really good, uh, Neef York wrote a really interesting tweet, which I totally agree with about that Spain 2008 to 2012 side, kind of setting the blueprint for what this Spain team is trying to be but it has like a little bit more bite to it. I'm paraphrasing what you've said, but I, and it's exactly what I think. Like if you think of the technical level that the Spain side has, it's not of that dynastic Spain side, but there are elements within that that, ha- that are. Pedri and Gavi, we've talked about this numerous times, but they will be up there with Xavi and Iniesta in terms of a lights out duo in midfield. But what they they have, I think, a little bit more than that side that from 08 to 2012 is that they can go direct and they have a little bit more bite about them. It's a really interesting mixture. No, I, I love that. I love that point by Neve. It's funny because I was watching this game. It's so funny to say that because I was watching this game thinking the first 20 minutes of this feels like the 2010 semi-final between, well, between Spain and Germany, which I also I always call it the nil-nil thrashing at half time. It gets to nil-nil, but Spain was spectacular in that game. And this felt like the first. 20 minutes of that. Of course, the thing about that game was that Spain eventually won one nil with the header from, from Puyol is that they maintained it for 90 minutes and it is very difficult to maintain for 90 minutes. And the reason they didn't, I think, is because of the threat in the wide areas. And I'm not sure if Ansu Fati is still like quite under the weather, which is why he's not being used more. Um, I think that a player like Balde is a brilliant player, but of course, Alba gives you so much control on the left side. You don't have that option. And weirdly enough, it's funny how Spain have lacked that really, really aggressive right back. If you think about like Arbeloa before and you've got like Carvajal now, they have not really had an aggressive right back. You know, obviously Ramos going inside um, for much of that big run they had. So they've kind of got the same template, but the same problems. And this is not a big problem for Spain. I think the challenge now for Luis Enrique is I think that his, his front line is going to go through multiple drafts. I think he likes his back line. I still think Rodri is great as a centre-back. I think, I think it works still. I think that fundamentally there were two very good pieces of movement that got Musiala through and he's going to embarrass any centre-back. I think the front line is the first draft or maybe the second draft. Murata comes in, scores a brilliant goal and now Murata has scored in a huge game against Germany and he scored in a semi-final against Italy. I think we can now safely say that he is a big game player at international level. I'm just interested to see what the forward line looks like now because I think that either Asensio or Torres has a bit to worry about now, if I'm honest. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't think it will be too long before we see Morata start, but to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if this Spain team shifts through the tournament. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think maybe the front line will be the biggest shift though, if we see anything. It's interesting that both sides tweaks personnel for the for the opposition. Mm. Um, from Germany's point of view, Zula moving into centre-back with Rudiger. It's just by far and away their best centre-back line, like pairing that they I have. I love that. I love that. When I saw, I thought, you know, when I saw the Germany lineup and I saw Goretzka in there in the mix and I saw Müller mm. up top, I just thought, yeah, this is like, this is a serious Germany team. They've really like, the cement is set on this one. This is the best lineup, I think, for them, for that fixture in particular, I would say. And if you think, what, I think Spain only had two attempts inside the Germany box. It's really impressive, man. Really impressive. And those two are just really solid. I still worry about Germany at right back, though. And I think that it wouldn't surprise me if we saw Kimmich at right back at one point in the yeah. tournament. Because the interesting thing about the way that Hansi Flick, he brought Gretzka into the middle with mm. Kimmich and then moved Gundogan on. But I think that when Germany have the ball, you could potentially have a midfield three of Gundogan, Goretzka and Kimmich coming in from the right back position because you have either Gnabry or if uh, Sané plays to stretch on that right hand side and you could then have Kimmich tucking, tucking in or pushing on. More like a 2018 type vibe. Yeah, exactly. Though, but then yeah. he can defend mm. in the right back spot and I think that he's a, I think he's a, he's probably better defending at right back than I think he is in centre midfield. He was fine today because a lot of the ball was in front of Germany and we saw mm. them struggle when the few, like we mentioned before, the few times that they got pulled out of position. But like I say, I think Germany will qualify from the group. I think Spain will qualify from the group. And I, I think we'll see very different iterations of these sides as they progress through the tournament, depending on who they play against. Yeah, that's right. But neither side will have to face that many teams as good as the other. No, no, go no. All the way through. No. There were good sides in this tournament, but I feel like there was a reason why this from the jump just seemed like, it's like, you know, when you watched Liverpool Man City from last season or the season before, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, the level just, the level just went up. I told a friend this evening, I said, Spain are the most accomplished team I've seen so far at the World Cup, but Brazil are the most dangerous. And that's just my, my own personal feeling. And what I mean by accomplished is, it's very clear what everyone, everyone knows exactly what they're meant to be doing in the Spain team, exactly what they're meant to be doing. Um, it's just that it's the execution and its margins. And I, I still am slightly unsure if I'm seeing the execution at that elite level. I, I, st I think the 7-0 was a better victory than it looked. It's, it's so funny with this World Cup. There's so many victories where you look at them and go, that's a better result than it looked. Or Germany's 2-1 defeat to Japan. I was like, that's not as bad as it looked. Yes, it's awful that they lost, but the actual performance, like if Gundogan's shot goes inside the right-hand post and it's 2-0, then we don't have this conversation. Like there's so yeah. many things that are margins. Um, I mean, also Germany yeah. had the ball in the back of the net early on with well earlier on with Rudiger's header that was just. Who was Rudiger was great. Rudiger's great. I mean, he's just great. Can I can I just say that the Rudiger shot from distance? Oh. <laughs> Talk about taking a shot to feel something. <laughs> Do you know what the Rudiger shot from distance is becoming the Gerard PK sprinting forward? It is absolutely. It's us. It's, it's up there, man. It's getting there. <laughs> Do you know what I love about it? It's so free. It's yeah. so carefree. There's yeah. not, there's no statistical measure in any like level of football where that's a defensible thing to do. Just, oh, Tony's done his thing. Now he's going to be okay. You're right, Tony. You, you happy now? Yeah. Okay. Okay, dad. I'm good. <laughs> I wonder if there's, is there a route that Spain can face uh, Senegal and then Koulibaly and Rudiger can just have a 35 a vibes off. A vibes off. off. <laughs> <laughs> but almost, I remember wonder when, if... when Koulibaly came into Chelsea and at first we were like, oh, he's trying to do the Rudiger thing. And then he hit that absolute worldie in that game. Do, do you know what I think? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think so funny about 
distance with Rudiger's shot from distance. If there's a stat for the time between Rudiger doing that needless shot and then a decisive action, it's probably about twenty minutes because he does he that shot and then he, he gets yeah. the narrowly uh, offside head, uh, the narrowly offside goal he heads, which actually should have been onside for because. It's great movement, actually. Yeah, by he, him. Had, just he, goes had, too he early. could have just checked his run. Yeah. But like Rudiger, there's a thing where he does that and then he gets his eye in. Mm. It's weird. Maybe that's his like way of like assuming peak performance. I don't know. But anyway, uh, he was great. Um, Germany coming away with, in the end, a very good point. Because it was there kind of like, you know, we've, we'll, we'll discuss Argentina and Mexico later. The, the stakes are a bit high there. But both of them had a kind of make or break moment in this World Cup. And they've come through it, both of them, really well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a quick shout for Avar Morata. I know we mentioned him. He, a lovely, lovely goal, and really happy. Um, yeah. To be fair to both managers, their their substitutions changed game, changed the game. For did, both yeah. Of them. Yeah. So yeah, the other game in this group, Costa Rica beat in Japan one nil. Oh, weird thing this game where like so the two weird. teams that had the shock results then got turned over obviously Saudi getting beaten by Poland 2-0 yeah. then like Costa Rica beating Japan 1-0 and it was funny because you could almost argue that Japan were better like weirdly enough like in I this, think they were yeah. I mean they were, they were better they had better performance and they lost but this is because Navas if you're going to have a bad game have it in a 7-0 defeat yeah and if you're going to have a decisive game you have it now this was at times, like 2014 Navas, like some of the saves he made through traffic, up, and just not even the saves, but the presence, mm. like it's very demoralizing. I think it's, people don't realize it's very demoralizing going up against someone where you know they're locked in. And it was very clear from very early on that Navas was locked in. Yeah, this was like so, a vintage performance from him. So yeah, shout out to him. Great performance. Vintage Navas. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of all to play for in yeah. this group, Group E. I still do think Spain and Germany will be the two sides that go through. Yeah. But, but um, still Costa Rica, man, who knows? <laughs> oh, that's the thing. And Japan have been like, that. two different performances from Japan. The first one against Germany, they were super clinical when they broke forward. And yes. they were so good in that second half. This one was a little bit more controlled. And I think they just, they really needed a goal. I know that sounds so cliche and the least insightful bit of football analysis you've ever heard in your life. But the longer that game went on, I just thought, yeah. Costa Rica are going to nick this. Um, I know. And there's only, I think there's a first shot of tar- on target of the tournament, Costa Rica. No way. I think it was. I think it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But yeah, good group this. Really Very good. good group indeed. Love it. Should we talk about the other games from today? Yeah, of course. Which one do you want to do first in group F? Do you want to do Morocco? I want to go with, I want to go, with, well, they're both great games. Morocco, Belgium. We'll start with that. Belgium, Morocco, Morocco, Belgium. Like, Morocco brought it. Oh my God. And here's the thing. The only reason Morocco were not a dark horse is because they're a horse. Like they have elite players playing for elite clubs. They're just a a very, very good team. Is this the group of horses? Yeah, it's a group of horses. And it's almost like Morocco caught, Morocco going up in the elevator and Belgium are going down, I would say. This result kind of caught them both where they were in terms of their trajectory. Mm. Like Morocco are moving towards their peak. And I think, you know, we'll give Morocco credit in a sec, but in terms of Belgium and like the team they put out, like it just says everything Lukaku comes on in terms of where they are, in terms of their status. Like he's been out for a while, injury, bad form, bit of a challenge. They looked a bit leggy, um, Belgium. It's funny that De Bruyne came out, gave that interview and said, we're not going to win the World Cup because we're too old. Like whether or not oh, that's true, that's whether, or, whether or not that's a thing that's true, 
to put that out there, like it's just not a good energy to be putting that out there. This is not good because it then creates, it puts blood in the water. And the mm. last thing you need with a team that overlaps and attacks with as much intensity as Morocco is blood in the water. And that's what we saw in this game. Like this result was excellent for, for Morocco, but it's also, it's a par result. I mean, look at, look at their team. They've got Ziyech and Nesri and Buffal in the front three. That is like a very, very good. It's a Champions League front three. It is like, it, it is. just is, right? Um, not to mention Hakimi doing what Hakimi does just in beast mode. And Morocco just, just intensity throughout. And so, and it Belgium seemed really loud. Yeah, in there, it seemed really loud. And uh, the celebrations were just amazing. When they had that first goal chalked off as well, because I watched the game and I watched the highlights again when I got mm. back to watch the game out somewhere. And um, it was Peter Drury doing it. And when the first one went in, he rocked off such a great line. I can't remember what it was, but and then it got chalked off. For, for VAR and I thought, ooh, I hope Peter's got a couple more lines in the back. <laughs> but you know, can I say this about Morocco as well, to give respect to them? That nil-nil draw against Croatia looks really good now. It looks really good. If you consider, yeah, I mean, does. Belgium aren't, look, they're not the second best team in the world. I think that that was a ranking that came from a time when everyone was firing on cylinders, people were fit, and now obviously they've gone through a bit of wear and tear. They have now got a draw against Croatia, who were, we'll get to them in a second. But Croatia really, really showed up. You take four points off Belgium, Croatia, you're causing big trouble in this tournament. People are going to look at them now and be like, Morocco are feeling it and they believe now. They really, really believe. And that is a huge, I mean, Belgium are not what they were in 2018, but this is a huge trophy for Morocco in terms of a scalp. And it takes them- They get through, wow. Yeah, yeah, because when they get through, it's, if they can get through to the next round, it's open season actually, who's going to want to face them in a mood like that with the energy behind them? Man, you've got a Moroccan team. You've basically got the support of Africa and the Middle East in one team. That's big. That's a huge... It's pretty, it's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, you've got good. two continents on your back, man. That's like, whew, it's amazing. <laughs> it's exciting. It's very exciting. It is really exciting. Um, unfortunately, your other horses, Canada being knocked out thanks mm. to a 4-1 defeat from Croatia. Although it was looking really good early on, Alfonso Davies opened the scoring. And uh, I had a little feel, I thought, oh my God, are Canada going to do this? Do you know what Canada's World Cup feels like though? I hate to say this. You know when Spurs got to the Champions League final against Liverpool and it was over almost before it started, they didn't mm-hmm. really get to enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean that in a rude way. I mean it like Spurs had had this huge game and it was like their moment, their platform, and they didn't really get to fully stretch the legs on the big stage and enjoy it. And that partly is because they didn't beat Belgium, which is they should have done. They yeah, should, they should have really have beat Belgium. Belgium. Actually, that's something we didn't really mention when we were talking about Belgium before that. They should be on zero points, really. Right, right. That win over, I mean, goodness, the win over Canada, they scraped through. And mm. Canada obviously taking the lead with a brilliant header um, after like about just after a minute from Alfonso Davies, a flying header, which is kind of like a classic centre-forward goal. There was actually some great centre-forward play uh, also from Mbappe in this round of games. Um, Canada take the lead and they fly out of the traps and then oh, Croatia just, not the muscle memory kicking in, it's different, but the kind of like, they almost didn't, actually, let me say, the biggest compliment to Croatia was they became Real Madrid in this game. <laughs> they played from memory and it was like, all of a sudden, Modric was like, you know what, guys? Brozovic, you know what to do. I know what to do. Perisic is doing his thing. 
And then here's the thing as well. The greatest comment I can say is that Hoffenheim Kramerich turned up. <laughs> Hoffenheim Kramerich and those who watch Bundesliga a lot know that this is a man who on his day will destroy the best big teams in the Bundesliga. He will hunt and he was absolutely feasting against Canada. And you saw it time and again, like by the end, they were disorientated. It was very fitting. The final goal was what it was that like basically a bewildered Canadian defender yielding the ball because what Croatia do again, they hunt you. There was a moment when, um, we were talking actually about this in a group that Kovacic and his burst of pace. Mm. Kovacic is one of the best players at breaking the press in world football on his day. One of the best. And people forget sometimes the only reason Kovacic is not a bigger player is because the only player that could have displaced him in that remedy was Modric. And when they were alongside yeah. each other in the same midfield, yeah. Kovacic, Modric, um, uh, Brozovic, in the closing stages of a World Cup, is a midfield that nobody enjoys playing against. And they were all completely locked in against Canada. Yeah, totally. I th I th they let Canada, I didn't say they let Canada have the ball, but they kind of, Canada's know, intensity was so good that they couldn't really. Yeah, for sure. It. But yeah. they just, they seem to have this, when that first one got disallowed, and then after that, they just seemed to ramp up the intensity to another level. And it was, it, like you say, I think that likewise from Morocco, it puts that first game between those two sides into context a little bit more because I could see either of those sides getting out of the group, both of those sides getting out of the group, probably mm. depending on the final result. You know, I'm not quite sure if this is the Croatia of 2018. No, I don't think it is. But it still looks like it has a has a bit of nous about it. It's still dangerous, and yeah. I don't think anyone would want to play them. No. Like, you know, watching Croatia, watching this team is like watching someone Again, I watch Real Madrid. It's like watching someone punch plasticine, and they're like, "Why isn't this going? Dent? Why isn't the dent deeper?" Well, it's plasticine. It's mm -hmm. only going to go so far. And then Real basically, just like uh, Croatia in this game, they take the mold, they work out what you're doing to them, and they're like, "Okay, we'll solve that problem here. Solve that problem." Like Modric's body language never got stressed. I always watched for that. And in these games, it was completely calm. The movement was great. Everyone was in shape. It was very much yeah, we're a goal down, but actually there's 70 minutes to play, there's 80 minutes to play, and they just ease their way back into it. And the movement for some of the goals, like the actual goal construction, if you look at like two, of, I think of the, of the four Croatia goals, two were absolute passing masterpieces. And even the ones they didn't score, there's angles and runs that they made and movement they made, they just completely tore open Canada. And it was like, this is the thing, they weren't scoring spectacular goals from distance. They were just playing five-a-side football in the final third, and it was really mm. effective. Brilliant football. Tough on Canada, but... They so tough. There's no, well. But there's no yeah. shame in it. I would say to Canada oh, fans... that's a tough group yeah. to get out of, man. Horrible. Someone, who is it said, someone said this was actually the group of death. Was it Flo? This was actually know. the group of death. <laughs> this was horrible. <laughs> this is a horrible group. Yeah, it wasn't a fun group at all. Canada, Belgium, yeah. Morocco, Croatia. Oof. Horrible. So the, the only amnesty take that's left, I think, from the right house group of takes is Carl's. Mm. Carl's Alvaro Morata. Although Carl's was so generic, man. Alvaro Morata's going to ball out. Listen, smart man. Carl smart. smart. Give yourself man. an out. <laughs> All right, where do you want to jump to next? Let's go to, the, let's go to Saturday's games. Argentina, Mexico. The headline game. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Argentina to Mexico nil. What an atmosphere. Oh my goodness. 88,966 was the official attendance given from That the is unbelievable. 88,000. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Sounded like 200, to be honest. 
It did. Do you remember when um, fans started coming back in the Champions League and at Zenit we said that they only had half capacity but it sounded like there was literally a million people in the stadium. These are people that wanted to scream for two years. <laughs> you had not heard someone, someone had not screamed for two years all of a sudden, you know, you're waking up dogs 50 miles away with the intensity. You're like, oh my God, what's that? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't an amazing game of football. No, no, but no. But it was an intriguing game of football because obviously I think everyone was waiting to see what this Argentina side would do, especially after that setback against Saudi Arabia. I don't want to sound over the top here, but it felt a little bit afterwards like the, I mean, you saw it in the Argentina players. It it, it seemed like they felt as if Destiny was back on track. Yes. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure if they're going to win this World Cup. I think that the loss of Los Celso beforehand Huge, is Ryan. so big and we've Huge. talked about it and I think they've got a little bit of figuring out to do because I don't know if what you thought, but I wasn't massively wild about Rido Rodriguez in that midfield. Ryan, the problem is this feels like 2014 Argentina again. And what I mean by that is... Uh, yeah, maybe. But they got to the final. The limited... Yeah, I know, I know. And this is my fear though. This is my fear. They won't have quite enough. They didn't have quite enough in the final. Look how much hard work they made of chance creation. Ah, uh, see, yeah, I mean, but I think there's, I think there's a big if here, and I think it depends on Enzo, because Enzo didn't just score that amazing goal to seal it. He was integral in that first one. No, I love. I, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think Scaloni's got a decision to make here because if he starts in the next group game, mm. it's I not think, a risk to he, start him. It's not a risk to start. No, him. it's not. I just yeah. what he brought to that side when he came on, he changed the game. I agree. And he could be, when I say 2014 Argentina, I mean prior to the player like an Enzo, right? When they mm. really scrapped through. But what he brings, the, the loss of La Celso is huge, but the, the introduction of a player like him, who's been brilliant for Benfica, stunning footballer, gorgeous footballer. And we see the World Cup always has the emergence of a major star and it could be his breakout. And this, the reason why his goal was such a big deal, his goal was as important in its own context as Baggio against Czechoslovakia as it then was in 1990. It was as important because it wasn't just a goal. It was an iconic goal. Mm. You know, and that's the thing, like Enzo Fernandez, all the expectation on him, can he be a playmaker to fill in for Celso? When he scored that goal, the, it, was not, it was so symbolic that Messi was the first person over to him and Messi literally jumping into his arms like someone else is going to take this burden. I'm not, that, that is literally how I interpreted it because I'm like, this burden of like... It was the Ansu Fati thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like someone that can kind of we say it in the NBA the whole time, someone that can create their own shots. Mm. And all of a sudden you've got a shot created. The goal that he scored in terms of just the way, the fact that Messi lays off to him, beats the man with the incredible footwork and just bends it top right after obviously Messi puts the goal up. We need to talk about that as well. But that goal, like Argentina will watch that and be like, we believe actually. Because if you, all you need in that midfield is one more playmaker to activate everything. I mean, I had a chat with, uh, obviously, our friend Callum about this, Callum Jacob, shout out to him, about the fullbacks not being the best. And it's, it's super weird that Argentina's fullbacks aren't more engaged or dynamic. Mm -hmm. That's just a strange thing, considering their great culture of fullbacks. But if they can get one more playmaker in that middle three, Papu Gomez, no disrespect to him, I think just age is catching up with him, not as dynamic as he used to be. One more playmaker that midfield who can really supply that front three, I think Argentina can really cook. They need a stress-free win yeah. against Poland. And I'm not sure they're going to get it. But they well, really no, because Poland one, are reconfiguring now. Poland are looking... Mm. And they could really do with a... I don't want to sound like I'm dropping stadioisms, but they could really do with a statement win over Poland to go through. Because 
I'm just a little bit worried that they're using up too much energy in the early stages of the mm. tournament. And emotional energy as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Both physical and emotional because they'll look at the, people who look at the scoreline and think, ah, standard, but it wasn't actually. No, no, it wasn't. They um, celebrated for an hour after the yeah, final. Yeah, they knew the, how big that was. It was huge. When did you see Pablo Aymar on the bench? Crying. Like, Depression. It was the, yeah, it's, it's kind of wild, man. This is why I'm a bit nervous about for them because there's an element of the 2014 Brazil thing yeah, yeah, where they're too sure. emotional. They're too emotional. I'm not trying to be like mean here, but there was a bit where it was funny because I saw the assist for Messi's goal. And it was funny because I watched the pass from Di Maria and thought that's an incredible pass. And Di Maria mm. afterwards comes out and goes, I gave Messi a turd. And I was like, oh my God, I was watching it thinking, because if you see the gap, he has to get it through. Ryan, there's no gap. He hits a square pass to Messi and he has to pop it over like someone's legs and has to bend it like, because the ref's like in the way. Mm. So there's no room for Messi to receive other than like the height he puts it. If he, if he hits a square pass on the ground, it doesn't get, it gets cut out. So Di Maria has to hit it through a small gap off the ground. So I thought it was an amazing pass, but Di Maria hated it. So he should, he knows better than I do. He's Di Maria. But Messi's finished driving it alone to the corner and you saw the way he celebrated. And there's this amazing video someone posted on Twitter of like the crowd of um, fans back in Argentina watching it like, you know, on some big screen. And every one of them, of course, just goes absolutely wild. And you think, this man is carrying too much, Ryan. This man is, it's like Neymar was carrying in 2014. The only blessing being he's not in Argentina for this World Cup. That's mm. the one mercy that Messi's not playing in Argentina, would be too much. But looking at going, can one player sustain that whole tournament? Well, he's done it once before, 2014. Right, we've seen it once before, so he can presumably do it again. But he's going to need some help this time around, right? Because I think he's got the much. help, and I think he also just seems way more engaged off the pitch as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a big difference with this Messi. I think they know all his knows. media stuff really going out and just yeah, talking to sure. everyone. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a big deal. And um, it's kind of cool to see, you know, seeing him evolve for that ultimate goal for them. Do you know what I mean? Because if you if you win a copper and then a World Cup back to back, it's kind of wild. The arguments are off. When, if, 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 if he wins this World Cup, and it's still possible, in a tight game, if Enzo steps up, and I think he's brave enough to do that, Argentina become a dangerous proposition. And also the fitness of Di Maria. Mm. That man just stay healthy. Because he, sure. I think, has a huge role to play still. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, let's go to the other game in this group. Poland 2, Saudi Arabia nil. Oh my God. Saudi Arabia were better. <laughs> they were better in this game. They were against Argentina. They were oh. better. They were brilliant for sustained periods. The only difference was that Chesney was even better than their best this players. This save from Chesney, well, these two saves from Chesney. Ryan, it's the save of the World Cup. It's, the it's save of the World Cup in, in context, in the context of what, on the stroke of half time. Oh, listen, dude, if Saudi Arabia go in one all and Herve Renard gets the fucking speech out again and they get hit twice, once by Herve and once by the translator again. Yeah. Who knows? They might come flying out and Saudi might go, Saudi might have gone conceivably might have gone through top. They might have won two games done, yeah. conceivably. Like yeah. that's the stakes on that penalty, and it was an absolutely. It wasn't a bad penalty. But the um, fact he got up again and did the second save was unbelievable. I didn't believe it. when I saw this. When I saw it first, I thought, "Oh, what a bad miss!" He's tipped. You know, he's he's hit it over the bar, and he tipped it over. He saw it and it wasn't just a, a reflex. He watched it onto his hand. It's mm. an unbelievable piece so of goalkeeping. Good. Yeah. Uh, and two good goals 
Because that Lewandowski one, even though he nicks it off the defender and he's one-on-one, you saw how quickly the emotion got to him. As when he, he burst in. into tears, Ryan. Yeah, it was a lovely finish, actually. He kept his composure left foot. I loved even the press. Even the thing about, like, yeah. you know, that things like when strikers close down, the way yeah. he cushioned the tackle yeah. to, like, have it break into his path, like, small things like that. Because he could have gone down to... as well. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. Like, he totally could have gone down. But um, He burst into tears. That's the really thing. The emotions him, are so close to surface. Yeah. And that's not yeah. a judgment, of course. It's more like, you look what Messi carries for Argentina. Mm. Lewandowski carries for Poland. Yeah. The good thing is that he's got more help now. Like, Milik, I think, with his iron, could have scored that header. Zielinski has been balling out all year. Mm. So happy for him getting that goal. Lewandowski's got just enough support, I think, to help him through the next round. Um, I mean, but Saudi in this game, credit to them. Some of their attacking was just the touch, the movement in the final third was spectacular. And poor Aldo, sorry, they're gonna, he's going to see Chesney in his dreams the next two years. Because <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> so funny. My goodness, he's unbelievable. Um, everyone, and this was the game that Poland needed as well. They needed, yeah, they to like, needed yeah. Yeah, everyone to kind of just like fully like have a moment. Um, I'm very happy as well because Matty Cash and I apparently share the same hometown, which is very exciting. <laughs> the, the fact that Matty Cash is playing in the side of Lewandowski. It's incredible. It's just so cool. It's such a vibe. I love it. So cool. Let's, let's wrap on Group D. And I think we need to begin with Australia because this was so seismic for Australia. Their first oh World, God. World Cup yeah. win in 12 years. Mitch Duke becomes only the eighth man to score in a World Cup game for Australia. What a brilliant header as well. A deflected cross. Unbelievable. The angle on it was amazing. And actually, shout out to Nizio, because just before that, about five minutes before, they'd had a really good chance. They'd worked into space. Um, and again, like their front line made really, really good inroads. Uh, Jabali in particular was really, really useful, very busy, uh, great movement. But, but Suter in that defence, man. Oh, there's, there's, there's just so many great stories around this Australian side. Yeah. yeah. You know, bear in mind that they had such a tricky qualifying thing. Because you always have to play an absolute beast from South America at the end of it. <laughs> like the final boss. <laughs> yeah, totally. Horrible. And yeah. the fact they're off the mark and they could, they could go through because I think a point will probably be enough against Denmark. Which is remarkable, actually, considering it that Denmark remarkable. have got, Denmark, considering how much trouble they gave France in the late stages. Yeah, I mean, should we, should we Let's jump go there, straight there? Because First of all, got, huge not, congratulations to Australia. No, no massive disrespect. congrats to Australia. And like, I mean, I don't want to play, you know, favourites here by any means, but it would be so cool to see them go through. And I, I, obviously just to say as well, like big sympathy for Tunisia because some of their attacking was great. And it, was, it just felt like they were a touch unlucky, a, t- a step short. Oh, but dude, they, they yeah. were totally unlucky yeah. in this game. Yeah. Like they created so much. Yeah. And I think, a point or even a win for Tunisia would not have been not at all unfair. Not at all unfair. No, at no, all. no, no. Um, I mean, this is, this is the thing about the World Cup. I think for us, obviously, we're English and we'd like to see England go through, but there, are, there aren't many teams really that you're like, yeah, I'm not really bothered if they go out. Yeah. There's no clowns for sure. There's no clowns. And also, here. it's just really fun to see teams like who maybe don't expect to progress to progress. Yeah. Definitely. It's just, a really, it's just really cool. And I, I mean, yeah, unfortunately, not everyone can go through. Well, segue to a team that we did expect to go through. Yes. France beating Denmark 2-1. So France bringing Kunde right back over Pavard, which was an area we identified. Well, everyone identified the area as a challenge for France, but Kunde's been really good there um, in the time that he's spent in the attacking fullback area. 
really useful. And that France back line, Kunde, Varane, Apomecano, Hernandez, I really like that. I think it's a really good defence. Um, the other Hernandez this time. Yeah, Teo Hernandez, yeah. Obviously, Lucas has gone home with his uh, ACL injury. Yeah, such yeah, gnarly. So France winning 2-1, two goals from Mbappe. And what I loved about this from Mbappe was, this was old school centre forward play, like number nine play which is something a lot of people didn't think Mbappe had in his locker. It's something he doesn't like doing particularly, like he's complained about playing centrally um, for PSG. He's not a big fan of it. Complained is maybe strong. He's not a big fan of playing centrally. Um, he had different assurances and obviously Giroud is a great nine. But this was a dimension to Mbappe's play that I thought was really exciting. Because mm. if France are going to go and win this thing again, which they can still, he's going to have to do more of that. And I think the other guy that really impressed me in this team was Dembele. Dembele, who came out with a great quote, <laughs> Basically, my job is to sow chaos. <laughs> wow. Like, if, yeah. tell me you listen to Stadio without saying, telling me you listen to Stadio. <laughs> my God. And he was spectacular for much of this game. He's a good man. Time and again, like, he just, he's happy. He's in his rhythm. And shout out to Xavi, who really, Xavi helped bring his confidence back for Barcelona. Um, and it's really lovely to see a winger in a Deschamps team trusted with such freedom. That's how you know that Dembele is special because we know how rigid. Um, Deschamps can be tactically and he's had to be right mm. but the fact that he trusts Dembele to go down that flag and just give it to them because Denmark Damsgaard could have put them ahead at a 2-1 when yeah. Christensen got one back they, Denmark if Denmark had taken this 2-1 it would not have been the wildest outcome there was a moment where Denmark could have really asserted themselves on the game when they I got back so. to it 1-0 I yeah. think they missed that opportunity and then after that France just seemed to keep going forward in a really short space of time. But there's something about the Christensen goal which I really love. This is, there is something so aesthetically pleasing heading a ball on the up after a bounce. Yes. The timing. So the timing. Good. It just looks so good. It's usually always from across as well so it's, yeah. it, everything happens quite quickly. That's a bit of a moment. Uh, I really, it wasn't like the, the most beautiful goal or the best goal of the tournament mm. by any means but I really enjoyed that Christensen goal. The thing I would say about France as well is they don't have outrageous depth this time around. Well, we were talking about this actually. And the thing, my main concern, if you don't mind me putting yeah, sure, my little theory out there, is that I think missing Benzema this time is different to missing Benzema in 2018 for France. Oh, hugely, hugely. Benzema coming back into the fold at a time where he is, he's ascended to one of the best number nines in the world, if mm. not the best for periods. And winning the Ballon d'Or, there's a respect that even Mbappe, for example, and I'm not saying this to slag off Kylian Mbappe or anything, but I think in a football sense, there are a few people who Kylian Mbappe will play with who he will really like listen to now. We've seen it at PSG occasionally where there's been a little bit of like, okay, Mbappe now knows that he's gone into Stella and there are a few people who can actually tell him, mm. yo, Benzema's presence in that team, I think kind of keeps everyone in check a little bit. I'd almost have him travel. You mean like Falcao travelled with the team in 2014. Yeah, 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 I would have definitely. almost have done that. I love that you've said this because I actually think, and I know I mentioned the Falcao parallel in 2014, like inviting him to come and join the squad. Almost being like, look, you're our ambassadors, you're our leaders and we don't win this World Cup without you. And he got him there. Right, he did. And they like, went. It was a major part of getting It was huge. It was huge. And yeah. Falcao was there like, he might as well have been on the pitch. I just think that, look, the loss of Benzema was huge. And Pogba and Kante, I think you can lose maybe two out of three in one World Cup. I think losing all three of them is too much, right? So I, th tough. I think it's just too much because we haven't seen much of Camavinga this tournament yet for good reason. There's probably an issue with match control, temper, whatever. Rabiot's played a lot. I just think that 
the absence of Pogba in particular in the centre midfield, Ryan, it's it's a void. Well, I think this is the thing. I think you know what I mean? my 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 thing about France is that they they can beat anyone on their day. Yeah. I just think they might come unstuck against a a, a side of equal ability but who are probably on the day a little bit more streetwise. I just think, you know, it's going to, it's going to need for them to go all the way and they can do it again. The problem is for them, they're a known quantity now, everyone sees them coming. I think it's going to be someone like a Griezmann who quietly mm. has been brilliant. Yeah. Griezmann has yeah. worked so, so hard defensively. And the thing about him is incredible defensive contribution. It's going to be almost like what are the jobs that Pogba did, that, that, that uh, Benzema did, how can we step into the mold? And there was a really funny thing that happened, actually. This is going to sound really weird, but I'll just say it because it popped into my mind. When they were walking back into the hotel, having qualified for the uh, second round, and they're giving high fives to everyone, Griezmann walks through really fast. And with that short haircut, he looked like a spitting image of Deschamps. The second he walked, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> is, is Griezmann becoming like a Deschamps on the pitch or something? Just in terms of the way his presence, this is like Sociedad Griezmann. This is like first spell out Letty Griezmann and I love it and they're going to need that self-sacrifice to get them all the way like if France win this World Cup it will end up with like Griezmann in the 94th minute in the left back position <laughs> hoofing it clear but it's going to have to be attrition but they, they can do it weird I can't believe I'm saying this but France can still do it I think there are a number of teams who can so much is depending on the route to the final yeah, I said, to, <laughs> I said earlier that even in that Spain game I could see Carvajal worrying about potentially playing France <laughs> short day for me <laughs> half time again sorry for the pop culture reference not sorry but a series out of watching the Mandalorian Bounty Hunter and there's a scene where the Mandalorian basically goes to the galaxy like doing terrible things and arresting people and capturing people and there's a blue alien that he basically hounds throughout the series and every time he turns up the blue alien just like dissolves with fear and I felt like their relationship was like Mbappe and Carvajal. Carvajal just knowing <laughs> somewhere in the galaxy, Mbappe is waiting to meet him again. I don't think we can add to this podcast anymore after that. I think we should. <laughs> Listen, they know what this was. <laughs> uh, any other business, Musa Akwanga? Nothing further. Um, just to say the trend of this is just so interesting in this tournament. Like, I think the two trends we've identified is teams that don't, push out early will get got later in the games and also just this thing about how it's so interesting the teams have had the big upsets have succumbed having performed better in the next game so like everyone's improving everyone is like taking a step up and people forget this with the world cups i will say this one thing people can be like oh we got to that round and the next one the world cup gets exponentially harder with each round each game it's like an ai right it finds new challenges for you so if you stay at the same level you'll get cooked how menacing. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> it's late over Oof. here. Yikes. <laughs> Quagga laid down right, the door. Start <laughs> like getting complaints. <laughs> I thought this was a family podcast. Come on, everyone. You can leave now. It's fine. I'll make sure you all get out. Okay. <laughs> you don't get cooked. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's bounce. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Check Wright's house if you haven't already. Counterpressed is up Monday. And check the Stadio Outros plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on a new one from the legend that is Terence Dixon alongside Jordan, also a legend, Jordan GCZ. Trap called 
fretless that on rush hour now um anything you want to add musa Gwanga? nothing further nothing further lovely um we will be back with you on tuesday night yes so then, focusing like eden hazard will be focusing on the football all right everyone much love till then see you then Thank you.